0: Welcome to the Drop, the Amen Breaks podcast. This week it's only myself, Aaron. We are going to be covering an issue which is something that I wrote about in an article on the AmenBreaks.co.uk website this week. Are drum and bass labels still relevant in 2020? The drum. Hi guys, welcome back to the Drop, the Amen Breaks podcast. Uh, This week, it is just me, your host, Aaron, as diligent fingers, being the very busy man that he is, has uh, triple booked himself uh, over the weekend and is doing all sorts of uh, live feeds, is doing all sorts of work, man's putting in the graft, yeah? So um, he's not going to be joining us today, but that's okay. Um, it's always good to uh, to change it up and he'll be back with us very soon next week so that we can continue on our discussions. We've actually just been like inundated with um, questions and conversations and you know, there's so many people that are really wanting to get involved in the conversation. There's so many people that are really trying to... Um, expand their own voice and it's really really awesome we're getting a lot of conversation happening online there's a lot of conversation happening um you know in private channels and stuff like that it's you know it's, it's really awesome to see that the the community in itself is just um you know more than happy to uh, get involved in the conversations to you know explain things to talk things to share their views all these kind of bits right um and, you know, it's funny because we've said this before, right, on the show that, um, you know, it's, it's almost become a bit of a disclaimer for us now. Um, I feel like that we should probably put this in at the start of every show. Like, we are not here to throw shade on anyone. We are not here to talk down to anyone. We're not here to, you know, give inflammatory opinions. We're not here to say this is right and this is wrong. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, conversation we have had. Maybe it's because it's been misinterpreted by um, you know. It's difficult to uh, to interpret the written word, right? Um, you know, some people have come back to us and said that their opinion differs on stuff. That's okay. We've seen a lot of people, you know, having differing opinions to what we're to what we're saying, and, and that's cool. It's not a problem. But you know, we're not here, you know, to um, to throw shade on anyone. We're not here to. Um, you know give inflammatory opinions or anything like that you know at the end of the day this is my opinion this is our opinion um and that's all it is right it's an opinion that doesn't make it gospel i'm really flattered that a lot of you people think that there's you know enough uh gravitas in what it is that we're saying that would encourage you to believe that we know what we're talking about um and of course we do know what we're talking about but you know we're, we're not industry figureheads we're not authorities we're not anything really um well i'm not anyway um, Dilly is, you know, is a man on his own, and and therefore he's making his own moves, and and he's doing things that are, you know, starting uh, starting to finally pay off for him, which is awesome. Um, it's what we want to see, you know, love, respect, and growth. But at the end of the day, this is, you know, just our opinion. Um, sometimes we might talk in absolutes, but it's you know a bit tongue in cheek, and it's not necessarily. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, like you say, gospel or anything like that. Take it with a pinch of salt. If you don't like our opinions, okay, it's fine. It's not a problem. Come and talk to us. Come and tell us why you think we're wrong. Try and give us a different point of view. Um, and also, guys, I've also seen, you know, on uh, it must be because of lockdown. People are getting edgy, um, you know, and the internet is the only sort of real outlet that they're getting for any sort of, you know, constant human interaction and... You know what it's all like when you're on the internet. Like, leave the internet alone. Like, put it down for a bit. You know what I mean? You can't just be sat there looking at the screen all day on your computer or your phone because it just makes it gets you wound up, you know. And then you end up saying stuff on on in, on the internet that that winds other people up, you know. But anyway, that's my little bit of a rant over in regards to um, you know disclaimers and bits and pieces like that as well. So uh, today, guys. Uh, I want to talk about an article that I wrote um, on the AMM Blogs website. You might have seen it. Um, It's called, Are Drum and Bass Labels Still Relevant in 2020? Um, Again, look, I am not an authority on drum and bass labels. I don't own one. I've never been on one. I'm probably never going to own one. But this is just my perspective from the research that I've done, talking to other artists, talking to people who work for labels and seeing what they do, you know? And, and also, you know, taking a bit of a, you know, a critical eye towards the, um, you know, the drum and bass industry in itself, you know? Um, a lot of, uh, you know, mainstream artists and things like that need help uh, from labels because they, you um, they don't necessarily have access to the resources that are available um, in other sectors. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, a, a drum and bass producer today, a um, you know, an electronic music producer can, if they've got their own skill set, do it all themselves. Right? They don't need a label to help them do anything. Um, and in other genres they may well do. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're a guitar player or you're a singer, you know, there's only probably so far that you can get with the equipment that you have at home. And that's not to say that these people can't get their hands on high quality studio equipment. That's not to say that these people can't do, um, you know, recordings and release on their own, but maybe that level of knowledge and access isn't available to other areas and therefore are somewhat reliant on larger record companies. Now, what you got to remember, right, is, is that in the world of music, there are two types, by and large, two types of uh, label, right, or record company. And again, guys, I might be wrong here. If I am wrong, that's okay. You don't need to jump down my throat and tell me that I'm wrong and I'm stupid and stuff like that. Just like, you know, tell me otherwise. <laughs> um, but by and large, um, you've got Two different types of labels. You've got your major record label, and you've got your indie label. Okay. Um, now, major labels such as Universal Records, Warner, Sony BMG. These guys are the big, big players. These are the guys that give artists, you know, million dollar advances. These are the guys that, um, you know, will spend millions on world tours for people like Justin Bieber and um, you know Taylor Swift and stuff like this. Um, you know, the, these are the the record labels that are the ones that are able to get you into mainstream culture super duper quick, right? But the 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 problem, as we spoke with uh, with Matt uh, Matthew Smith last week, uh, um, I'd just like to say a massive, massive thank you to Matthew Matthew Smith for coming on the show with us last week because I mean that was just uh, an unbelievable insight into into something that you just don't know about you know it's one of those things if you weren't there you won't know like the guy really does have an unbelievable uh insight into into something that is you know our culture our history and it's really really important that he is um that he's sharing his work and his uh you know his artistry with everyone and just as a you know an additional um fyi guys uh, the reason why that uh, that podcast is not up yet is because um, he has been inundated with work from the BBC and um, in a, as a common courtesy I always send out um, uh, the recordings to um, you know any uh, artistry um, interviews or, or recordings or stuff like that that I do um, I always send out a copy of it to the concerned person so that they are able to approve it, you know, for journalistic value or anything like that. Not that I would say that anything that we're doing here is particularly journalistic, but um, gives you an insight um, into the process. And so um, when he comes back to me with that, I will get that up there. Guys, you really don't want to miss that. If that was just, you know, a mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing um, conversation. Um, so, you know, that was a, that was the reason behind that. Um Oh, blind cool, blimey. I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, yeah, never mind. Um, but so just going back to, you know, our drum and bass labels and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, again, so, you know, Matt was, was part of all of these things. He's, he's worked in these sort of different bits and pieces. He's seen the way that, um, you know, the industry has grown. And one of the things, one of the really insightful things that you spoke about was um, manufactured culture. Okay, and what he means by manufactured culture is is that he used to work for a big record label. And he used to go to all of these end of year parties and like the stories that he tells about the crazy stuff that happens there. Like you just have to check out the podcast, right? Just wait for the podcast and and listen to it because it's mental um but basically they were saying that you know they invited all the the bbc um djs all the you know um, bbc execs and all these sorts of things and they told them what they were going to be producing and you know obviously they would put on these lavish parties and they would spend money with them and, and stuff like that so these guys were were manufacturing uh culture you know they were saying this is what's going to be cool this is what should be played on the radio these sorts of bits and pieces like that so these guys were were really manufacturing um, the taste in music that we had, telling us what was cool, what was not cool, and how things should change and evolve um, through, you know, the, the the touch points that people had access to in terms of listening to this. You know, there was, uh, and this is where like the free parties and stuff like that came from, is, is that all of a sudden there was a different channel for people to generate their own culture, um, and you know, again, I don't want to go too much into it, but. You know, record labels control many, many aspects of these and, and, you know, these major record labels, they, um, you know, they are obviously still relevant because of the huge volumes of artists that they're supporting, um, you know, and the music that they're pumping out, but putting it into these touch points, you know, it's like, you know, if you're on Sony BMG um, and they think you're the next big thing and you've, you know, recorded an album with them or you've created something, you know, that you're going to get the record sales. You know that you're going to do a tour. You know that you're going to do this, this and this because they've got the money behind them to push this kind of stuff for you. Right. You know, they'll give you a $500,000 advance and you know, they'll do promo shoots. They'll put you in contact with the other artists on their label. They'll make you do, you know, um, interviews with Rolling Stone or, you know, NME or, or, or whatever it is, you know? And so you just find that. You know, these people are manufacturing that uh, that culture and that content for mainstream audiences. So what you'll then have on the flip side of this is indie uh, labels. OK, now, indie labels are obviously the complete opposite of this. Some indie labels are much larger um, and some indie labels are one man, two man bands. Um, so there's a huge disparity between, you know, major record labels and indie labels. And, you know, from what I can undercut, and, and guys, look, again, I know um, Ram Records is technically not a, an indie label. They have big backing from Warner. Hospital Records, so I found out. And actually, you can find this information out for you, um, you know, online. It's It's free. You can find out all kinds of stuff about um, uh, companies that have big backers and stuff like that because they have to post their quarterly uh, reports and things. And you can find this information out. I'm not going to tell you what I saw or or what I found out because that's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. But, you know, companies like um, or record labels like Hospital, technically not an indie label. All right. They got backers, too. Um, So... You know, there is this middle ground in regards to that. I mean, they will always be controlled by, you know, Andy C and Tony Coleman, London Electricity. Um, and they will always have the controlling share in in what they do. But, you know, there is also that element that they've been, um, you know, invested in, I wouldn't say bought out, invested in, backed by these larger record labels and therefore have to follow a certain um you know, a certain path for them to generate revenue, get on new um, artists and stuff like that, right? So those are the kind of middle ground in terms of the indie guys, but you know, the the indie grounds, uh, you know, stuff like, um, you know, I think a possibly defunct um, record label now purely because the person who ran it died um, is Solar Records, Marcus Intellects. I went looking for them on the internet a little while ago. Like, the footprint is there. I don't think they've got an Instagram channel. I think they have a Facebook and a Twitter that hasn't been posted on in years. Um, I think there was somebody else that was working with Marcus with with Solar Records, but you know, I don't think they they they're making any more money uh, making any more records because the main person that was releasing on it was Marcus Intellect. So. But yet, you know, Solar Records, considered one of the most influential record labels out there. Um, you know, good-looking records. Don't know if they're going anymore. I don't think so. Black Market Records, obviously, it used to be a record shop. They shut a few years ago now. Um, you know, uh, stuff like Metalheads, obviously, they've been going 25-odd years now. Um, I didn't look to see whether or not they were run um, or they'd been invested in. They may have done, but again, you know, um, Storm is a is a very savvy businesswoman. Um, Goldie doesn't have much to do with metalheads anymore, if I'm honest. Um, but uh, you know, they they've got some good people running. So, so do you see what I mean? Like there's there's a big difference between you know major record label and indie record label, and within the scene, you know, the indie record label. Especially in drum and bass, is you know they can either be quite big or they can be quite small. And you know what's unique about the scene is is that again you know um, companies like oh, not companies I keep calling them companies. Then they technically are companies, right? They've got to pay their taxes, they've got staff, etc. But they um, you know these labels they they're small. They're they're run by one or two people, and that means that they they don't necessarily have the same uh, resources available to them that you know, Time Warner does, Universal, Sony BMG. Um, so, what I really wanted to talk about, especially in that article, is you know whether or not they're they're still relevant um, within the drum and bass scene because a lot of these people that are producing, um, some of them don't even have uh, record labels. Um, and and then, you know, individual people are producing off their own record label, i.e. putting their own money into it and just saying that this is a, a record label. Um, I believe that Pete Cannon does something like that uh, with his N4 records. You know, I know that he's released loads and loads of, of music over the past year or so um, and is still releasing music now and has also released tracks with, with Hospital and, uh, you know, a plethora of other um, a plethora of other record labels within drum and bass as well so you know is he a record label well yeah but also not really does that make his record label relevant well not really that makes him as an artist like relevant you know um pete if you're listening to this and um you're offended by that i'm i'm very sorry (laughs) um but it's the it's the sort of thing that you know is raising the question you know how, how relevant are these record labels and the, the other thing as well is, is that like you find that artists especially in drum and bass will release on different record different labels all the time and that's because they produce a track and they'll send it out to someone that they know in the industry and one of them might go yeah we're not really feeling that one but another label will go yeah cool we like that one um, and so they'll have a track signed by this one and this one and this one so you know, being on a label in drum and bass isn't necessarily the same as being on a label as, um, as you are with Sony, BMG or Time Warner. And then, you know, there's a whole other side of things to that as well, which, you know, we'll go into now. Um, and it's really important to understand what actually um, record labels do as a whole. Um, and this is not just exclusive to drum and bass labels. Um, this is what all record labels should do. And, you know, again, there's a big disparity between what actually happens. Like, you know, the main sort of stuff that happens um, within record labels is stuff called A&R, which is um, uh, short for artist and repertoire, uh, which basically means talent acquisition and, you know, um, talent management okay then you've got your marketing you've got your pr and promo and you've got your distribution now again guys i'm not an authority on all of this stuff um this is just the kind of stuff that um is readily available out there and you know is by and large what record labels would do that that's not that's not to say that um all these other you know labels don't do these bits and pieces um they certainly do uh, but the you know the whole point of, of this is just to give you like an, an overview of, of, of what's going on, right? So, and again, you look at these massive, massive labels like um, Sony BMG, etc., etc. They uh, you know they have huge divisions of A and R. They have huge marketing teams. They have huge promo and PR teams. Um, you know they, these guys, if they haven't got their own um, you know marketing or PR and promo divisions, then they will be um, uh, farming that out to, you know, the, the Ogilvies, the, the Leo Burnett's and the Saatchi and Saatchi, um, of these, of, of the worlds. you know, they will be working with massive companies, you know, spending huge amounts of money. And of course the talent acquisition side of things is just never ending, right? They'll be scouring, and scouring, and scouring, using all the resources available to them to try and find these artists. Um, you know, so obviously their resources are way, way, you know, more advanced than that. But again, as an artist, if you are social media savvy, if you are able to produce something that you can put online and you've got a decent enough following, then it's easy for them to find you. You know, you know and r team will be going to gigs. They'll be going, to, you know, scouring stuff on the Internet. They'll be, you know, doing all these kind of bits and pieces. Um, now, imagine that you are... For example, somebody like um, Pete Cannon, right, with N4 Records, he's one guy. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a team of people that help him, but I wouldn't necessarily say that N4 Records has a staff the same as RAM or hospital, right? He may have trusted people that he works with to produce his records, to master his, uh, his tracks, um, other artists that he reaches reaches out for but that doesn't mean that you know he has a record label that will do a and r for him right um so how is a record label is he supposed to grow his talent list you know how is he supposed to set all these bits and pieces up i'm fairly sure again that pete will get um uh contacted so that he's able to to play at uh, festivals at gigs and things like that other artists will reach out to him to remix stuff um you know when you've got those connections when you're in that industry that that's what happens but does that make n4 really a relevant label for for him to to do anything with well not really at this moment in time um in terms of marketing you know we're talking about managing social media we're talking about um you know graphic design we're talking about um you know advertising to our audiences so that um you know they know about the artist they know about the records and stuff like that you know and again all of these guys they're they're pretty pretty um active on social media although again you'd be surprised at how many labels aren't active on social media aren't Um, able to you know constantly and regularly produce content Um, you know they're busy they might not be social media savvy whatever running on existing networks stuff like that so it's a case of um, you know the marketing teams that these guys have they're huge and they're all specialists in all these sorts of things, you know, people that are running and I'm, I, I hate to keep picking on, on, um, on Pete uh, Pete Cannon for this, but he's just a prime example of a really, really great artist who is making really great things happen for himself and has put a load of hard work into his own record label. But he's also a prime example of the fact that, as a record label, his marketing is done by him when he has time, it's an afterthought. It's not something that's constantly being churned out. You know, His PR and promo consists pretty much of, here's a new record that I made, it's going up on on Instagram, Uh, go out and buy it. But on the flip side, he always sells out, always, always, always sells out of his tracks because of the influence that he has in, you know, his social channels, which then goes on to the question of distribution, right? So distribution is managed um, in the old days, right? Huge record labels um, would, you know, be able to press to vinyl, they'd be able to fire out, you know, hundreds of thousands of CDs, you know, and you hear about, you know, albums going platinum and stuff like that, you know, millions and millions of of albums being sold worldwide, you know, cassettes, you know, uh, you know, many years ago um with a mini disc something like that um that you know all this kind of stuff um you know it was it was literal physical things like that and you know the big label this is why the big labels were able to you know make huge money because uh, they had the clout to be able to force down the price of you know 10 million cds and they were able to distribute it they had the channels you literally had to send it to the record stores record stores would buy it and, and what have you but now it's, it's not like that you know it's, it's, it's mostly dis, um, digital but even you know the indie labels 30 years ago I mean there was one or two places in the UK where drum and bass artists would go and get their music pressed you know when it was all on vinyl they'd all go to the to the cutting house um which is not Um, the name, it is the name of the place they used to go to. It doesn't mean, you know, the generic cutting house. The cutting house was actually a place that everyone used to go to, to get their stuff pressed. Um, So, you know, distribution networks and things like that. These companies, these huge record labels, the distribution channels are slightly different because their distribution channels are to radio stations and, you know, things like that. Whereas what we're looking at realistically in the world of drum and bass is Spotify, SoundClouds, iTunes, uh, Beatport, you know, digital uh, distribution networks like that. But again, the thing is, right, is is that you know, Pete Cannon is distributing that himself. He's got his he's got access to these channels, and so his record label is technically distributing for him, but he is the record label so what does that mean for other record labels you know if one person can call themselves a record label and technically is a record label um you know what's the point in other artists going along and signing up to to other artists Uh, sorry to other labels right so you've then got to look at well what does a you know what does a drum and bass label actually bring to the table look you sign up to hospital you know you're going to get exposure you sign up to ram you're going to get exposure you sign up to spearhead to critical to metalheads you know any of the the big labels you're going to get exposure okay um, you know really what what these labels are doing is you know keeping the scene moving forwards they're offering um, artists a more direct route into the spotlight. They are offering um, a more direct route to having their music published and to, um, you know, selling more records. They are providing a a fast-tracked route, shall we say, to um, making their choice as uh, a musician a more viable career for them, you know? So, you know, in. Um, Labels will put on events, you know, label nights, um, you know, all these different things, record releases, uh, you know, special events, promos and things like that, because they've got the clout behind them to be able to do it. They know, right, that if they put on an event, um, such as Hospitality in the Park, that it's going to sell out. And you as an artist know that 10,000 people are going to see you play. You as an artist know that you are getting the the exposure that you wanted um and you're getting that sort of professional element behind you you're getting pushed um much much quicker than if you were you know just trying to get your own gigs and stuff like that but that's not to say that you you can't do that you know like there's lots of people out there that are independent artists um there are lots of people out there that are very famous and can you know book them out book themselves on um onto these setups uh, onto these sessions and um, events and things like that without actually, um, you know, needing that kind of representation, you know, a lot of people have artist management and things like that, you know, be signed up to, um, to management agencies. Um, so that they are able to to get gigs and things like that. And, you know, that's one of the things that a record label will do, right, is, is that they sort of take care of that artist management side of thing for you. If you're on that label, you, you know, um, you are able to, to have that element of stuff. You know, all right, if you've got an agent, then the agent will take care of stuff for you as well. But as a, you know, if you're on a label, then they will largely take care of that sort of stuff for you. Anyway, um, you know, what... With with labels as well, like the drum and bass labels, right, is that they they've sort of come uh, compartmentalized. You know, back in the day, um, you look at the stuff that was being produced on CIA, Good Looking Records, even V Recordings, right, and again, I don't I don't want to come across as you know blanket statement black and white that sort of thing you know take it with a pinch of salt these labels were producing generic drum and bass and what i will say in explanation for for generic drum and bass is that they were just producing music they were just producing the music of the time and they were the people that had access to the resources to get Stuff pressed. They had access to the technology um, and tools to create that music, and therefore um, were on that label. There wasn't a particular sound um, that they were going for. They were just creating music. Now, if you look at, at you know the labels that are out there, you know Hospital, for example, produces an awful lot of liquid. Ram produces loads and loads of jump up. Um, you know, again, we've said they diversified and, and what have you, and, that, and that's fine. Um, you know, you get um, V recordings, and they're producing a lot of, a lot of liquidy stuff, a lot of old school sounding stuff, um, you know, there's a lot of foghorny horny stuff um, produced uh, from there, because I know that, you um, uh, you know, Serum uh, is on that label, um, Voltage, uh, Blade Runner, They, you know, they produce a lot of stuff on there as well and, that, and that's their sound, right? So that, um, and, and this is the other thing, right? This is that like, does an artist actually uh, dictate sound uh, for that label or does the label dictate sound for the artist in as much as this is the music that they make and therefore they want those kind of artists on there? Um, you know, would you ever see anything by Serum? Or voltage, or Blade Runner on hospital. Don't know, um, but you know, ultimately, what you find is is that the record labels now are starting to sort of compartmentalize the sounds that they are creating, which in turn is you know is pushing, um, uh, you know, which is pushing that sound within that scene. Uh, you know, I really do think that there is a, a um, an evolution happening, not a revolution, an evolution happening within the drum and bass industry um you know it's sort of picking its direction it's kind of building up its um you know its professional element of things you know hospital and ram are leading the way in terms of you know big label um professionalism uh in in what they do you know you looked at you know you look at um you know smaller records like souped up records and stuff like that you know again, a very small team running those bits and pieces, but they are, you know, doing their best to, uh, you know, make things as professional as they possibly can. And again, you know, I'm not one to pass judgment in terms of professionalism. Um, but you know, that's certainly the impression that you get from the stuff that they're doing and how they're going about doing it. You know, so um, there is this sort of weird, weird sort of juxtaposition, right? Because again, a lot of these a lot of these labels are indie fundamentally, you know, they are small teams managing as much of what a label should be managing as they possibly can. Um, but often for not very many people, which, you know, begs the question, of whether or not they're really, really labels in, in as much as, you know, it's just a couple of people making music, on a particular record using trusted suppliers for stuff like distribution and, you know, studio time or or things like that, you know, it's just, it's kind of hard to sort of grasp the concept of what a, uh, you know, what a record label is actually doing for musicians who don't need a studio or don't need a centralized studio in order to create music, you know? Uh, If you check out uh, spies. Um, house, right? You see a couple of pictures of it on it on Instagram, you know, yeah, it, it looks sick though, right? Like it's like set up decks, slick TV, you know, really nice um, you know, LED light system on the go, that sort of thing. He can produce music there. He doesn't need to go into any studio. He's got one in his house. Most producers and DJs have the access to create the music that they want. They don't have to go anywhere to do anything um There's somebody, hang on, I'll I'll just find this out now. I've got access to this. I can find this information out right now. Uh, Sorry, I'm just checking on Instagram for something. It's It's a, who is this? Hugh Hardy, right? So Hugh Hardy, he is on Hospital Records. He has just released, or is just releasing, an album entitled Seven Tunes in Seven Days. All right, Hugh Hardy, on the week commencing 30th of march set himself a challenge to write a new track from scratch every day for 7 days whilst in lockdown okay this is an artist who is signed to hospital records okay has had probably next to no contact with anyone from the label team A&R, marketing pr distribution very little contact i would say with tony um, and yet has just produced an album, a seven track album, that's gonna be released on Hospital Records in seven days from the comfort Mm -hmm. of his own home. You know, that just goes to show like, it is so hard to define what a record label is actually doing for drum and bass artists. You know, they're not getting them in for studio time. These people don't need the help of industry um, specialists. All right. He'll send it off to the hospital team for mixing and mastering. All right, and they, but even then, you know, there's. I don't think that there's somebody within the hospital team. And again, I don't know, Tony, if you're listening to this, you know, please feel free to correct me. I don't know if there's anyone within the hospital indus- uh, hospital records team that actually does any mixing and mastering. I think maybe they got they send it out to their trusted suppliers to do it, right? And they might pay for it, but you know i don't think that it's like you know bank breaking amounts of money he could probably do it himself um or he could pay for somebody to do it for him anyway so do you see what i mean like it's so hard to sort of really understand the concept of what drum and bass labels are actually doing for drum and bass artists you know if you're a successful enough um dj artist producer musician and you will have only gotten there through working really, really hard and doing gigs and you know managing your bits and pieces by yourself. Then, it's, it's difficult to see why you would need a label, you know? Um, the one thing that I will say that the labels have going for them, especially the larger ones, is is that they they will handle all of the um, they'll handle all of the uh, the legal stuff which as we know within the music industry is tricky waters to navigate you know and you often hear of artists especially on the bigger labels getting done over on their contracts or you know owning the rights to their music and you know things like that you know so this is where you know a label would come in and you know, provide you with the legal aspect of stuff, or at least you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You know, you, I can't imagine that, um, you know, somebody like Tony Coleman um, on the hospital team would be looking to screw over any of his artists by keeping the rights to the music or, you know, keeping the masters and and, and stuff like that, you know? You just don't see it. But again, like, we, we don't know. Like, we don't know how... Don't, I'm not accusing Tony Coleman of anything here at all. Um, but you don't know how how stuff happens within these, um, you know, with, within you know within the business runnings of, of these record labels. Um, I don't know. Hospital records might say that they own the rights to feel, and and they may well do, right? And I and I'll tell you a story that um, that may have some credence to this, right? A little while ago. Um, few years ago, 2017, I think it was, I went to Let It Roll with my mates, um, and we saw Netsky, right? And he played a killer set, it was awesome. Um, Let It Roll put the uh, uh, the video up on, on their channel. One of the few videos that they've put up, really annoys me, that's something for another day, really, really annoys me that all these labels, uh, sorry, all these artists go to play these killer sets at this massive drum and bass festival. And, um, <laughs> Like three videos out of the hundred artists that play uh, are actually recorded and put up on YouTube. It winds me up. It's neither here nor there. Um, so we were, the next year, we were discussing, me and my mates, as to whether or not Next Guy would be back. Because at that time, Next Guy had sort of taken a break from playing drum and bass and producing drum and bass. Thankfully, he's now back on hospital now producing more records with the hospital team you know we've welcomed him back into the fold with open arms he was never never cut out for the edm scene that he tried to uh, to move into i don't know like they just didn't get him and you know we've always got netsky because he was always amazing at drum and bass and and that's the thing that we love him for and we couldn't really understand why he was trying to break into that world but it's neither here nor that um so uh anyway so we were like oh is Net guy playing we saw on NetSky's website that he was and then he wasn't and we don't know anyway so um i can't remember how i managed to get onto it but um well because i think i was looking at at the hospital website for something and i saw that Netsky um has like s- several albums on the hospital record shop and it was like you know ah, oh, it was artists I can't remember why I was looking at it, but I was looking at the hospital shop and it was artists and Netsky was on there. And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I, I sent a message to, to Tony on, on Facebook Messenger. And I said, do you know if Netsky is playing? And he was like, well, why would I know? And I said, well, because it says that, you know, here's a picture. It says that he's on the lineup for Let It Roll um, and that he's also an artist on hospital records. And Tony was like, oh, I don't know anything about that. And he's not an artist on hospital records, but we have all his back catalogue. So going back to the point of, you know, how record labels deal with these sorts of things, I don't know. I mean, they have all his back catalogue. They got the rights to sell all of that stuff. So you don't know, you know, you just don't know what, what record labels will do um, or won't do for, for their artists in terms of the legal side of things. So. You know, there is that element there that, you know, artists um, may or may not have control. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about hospital records, not at all. Um, It's just an example of, you know, what labels have in terms of deals with their artists. Next guy's obviously massive, right? So him having uh, all of his back catalogue being sold on the hospital shop, uh, you'd like to assume that he's getting percentage of royalties I, I have no idea again I'm not an industry head I don't know anything about it I don't I've never spoken to Netsky well I have spoken to him but only as a drunken punter at one of his uh, gigs many years ago another story for another day um, but uh, you know I've never asked Tony about that you know so why would I know anything about what their deal is but it just goes to the goes to show that record labels, you know do have some element of control and clout on on these sorts of things so if you're an artist right and as you know as an independent artist you may have concerns about what rights are going to be given like are you going to get a salary are you going to get paid um you know what's the royalties like do you earn the music this that and the other you know if you're an artist, for example, Pete Cannon, who owns and runs his own record company, he gets to keep 100% of the profits that he makes from from his record sales. Unless, of course, he collaborates, yada, yada, yada. You know the deal. So, you know, why does why does an artist, especially in the drummer-based world, need a record label? What's a record label actually doing for them? Um, you know... A lot of these record labels as well might not have the same sort of financial clout that ram or hospital have so what additional benefit are they getting you know are you able to produce your own music on on your own terms and sell it via your own distribution networks and we'll talk about distribution networks in a minute and this is something that i learned from a previous interview that i did um you know how can you guarantee that, that you know, let's say that you're on a smaller label when they put on a night and not that many people turn up, you know? Could you have made more by booking yourself onto a different night or going to, you know, this particular uh, industry label, you know, or this label night? You know, what what is it that um, that they're actually doing for people? Uh, so one of the things that I, I really think that... um that record labels or well not not so much record labels, right? It's, it's the industry as a whole. Drum and bass and, and jungle and the rave scene has a huge nostalgia issue. All right? Um, it's probably one of the reasons why vinyl sales are still so high. Um, I, I genuinely believe that you know, these record labels and stuff like that, yeah, they are filling a gap, but it's one of the few, like, I honestly, I can't really think of many other genres where the record labels are almost, if not as famous, as the artists that play on them. You know, like, you don't see people walking around with Universal, Warner, or Sony BMG t-shirts, right? You see people at raves all the time with RAM, with um, Hospital, with Critical, with V Records. Like You see people getting tattoos of this stuff all the time, right? These guys are massively, massively influential. And, you know, like I said, there's a huge sort of nostalgia issue that happens within drum and bass. And it's kind of like people are holding on to these sorts of things because... Um just nostalgia. I genuinely don't feel that record labels are as important to the scene as we, the audience, make them. You know, like any one of these artists could release something on their own by themselves and it would still be as successful. But it's the record labels that sort of hold everything together, kind of like this glue, this social and scenic glue that keeps everyone sort of gravitating around the artists and stuff like that. Because I don't really even think that the the record labels are dictating that much in terms of what kind of music is being played. You know, I know we said that like. You know, one label will specialize more in liquid, one's more in jump up, one's more in, you know, Neuro, Black Sun uh, Empire, like Blackout Records, for example, one of the main guys for Neuro. Um, You know, they're not necessarily dictating what sound is being produced or how the scene is being developed because people are producing it themselves and they are generating large followings. Uh, followings online through their own channels right so if they're creating something new and they're not signed to a label well how can the label dictate that that's what's good you know so you know like I say it's, it's all to do with with nostalgia and and these sorts of things and I'm not saying this is the only reason and again like you know if you don't agree with me fine whatever give me a reason why you don't agree with me but from what I can see is that nostalgia plays a huge part in why record labels keep going it's almost sort of like you know in order for you to be a legit um record label you kind of have to be a very small one-man band or you know very small team one-man band kind of outfit um that's just you know producing record after record after record but a very high quality stuff you know there's very few low quality records being produced on any label or by any you know inverted commas professional artist so you know it's kind of like you know we choose for these labels to still be there all right they they exist because they make money and they make money because they produce music that we buy you know but again if you decentralize that all of these people would produce their music on their own anyway. And we'd find out about it through the channels. It's kind of like a chicken and egg thing, right? Like, you know, this music wouldn't necessarily have been created if these people, um, weren't creating these record labels. Um, but the record label sort of came about as a, as a brand, as an icon, um, for these people to sort of stand behind, but it didn't matter because these people were just producing records and meeting up and, and, doing stuff together anyway so it's you know it's kind of like this big mishmash of stuff that is essential but not essential at the same time you know like these record labels are brands um you know huge brands in in the scene um you know so realistically they've got the edge in terms of distribution for artists and stuff like that but Again, like I, I did an interview with um, Epidemics uh, and I, I, if you did not see the set that Epidemics did uh, for the first Ram House Party Weekender, then you should go back and see it. It's on his YouTube channel. It's on his Instagram. It was just blinding, like absolutely ridiculously good. Um, <clears throat> and he's an artist that has literally just signed an artist agreement um, with a, uh, a label in Germany. And um, he's produced an album on his own before the artist's agreement. Um, I think it's TuneCore that he was uh, that he was using. Like you can sign up to these things. They're distribution networks. They'll put your music on um, on iTunes for you. They'll put it in places where people can buy it. You know, I don't know how much it costs to be on it. Probably not a lot, if anything. Um, they will probably take a percentage of every sale that is made for these sorts of things. But if you've got enough following, um, if you've got the ability to reach out to your audience and get people saying, yes, I'll buy your stuff, you don't you don't need um, a record label to distribute it for you. You can do it yourself. And there's loads of ones out there, CD Baby, Reverb Nation, Ditto, Louder, Mondo Tunes, DistroKid, TuneCore, you know, take your pick. The only thing that a record label realistically has for you in terms of distribution these days is if you want to go vinyl, access to vinyl pressings. But even then, you can do that yourself, right? Although a lot more expensive, granted. But... Um, you can release on all the same places they, they release on in terms of online. Um, the, the digital, the only thing that they've got edgewise is a larger clout and following for you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a hype, hype service for you more, to, more so than anything. They'll put it through their channels. They've got the money to spend on PR and promo. They've got the money to spend on advertising. Um, but again, like if you're social media savvy, you don't need to spend all that much money on, on advertising. You can reach the right people. Um, you can get people to listen to your music. And so, you know, it's easy, easy for them to do that. Um, look, I'm I'm not here to bash record labels. I'm not here to bash drum and bass labels. I'm not here to say that they're completely irrelevant. Um, drum and bass labels are very relevant. Um, I would say probably more relevant than they've ever been purely because they are that glue that holds everything together. They... Um, you know they're this center for innovation they are um, a sense of very real and very relevant nostalgia um, for for the scene they represent both the past and the future they are um, what is going to help drum and bass improve become more professional and um, open up the landscape uh, for all different kinds of people um, for the you know the spread of music um, you'd like to believe that the industry would be different from what is largely seen as you know the the fat cats the money grabbers in the large record label things and they'd like to you know distribute um, even shares and, and money for all of all of their artists and stuff like that so you know like I say, they, they are the industry glue. They are the, you know, they're the the focal point for the scene. They are brands. They are the scene. You know, they represent something more to the scene than just the music that's produced for them. If you think about, you know, um, uh, Sony BMG, right? what do they represent in music? Well, nothing really. They're a corporate faceless organization. Um, but, and again, this could be because I'm looking at it from two different perspectives, you know, I don't know what the, the smaller brands and things like that, that Sony BMG have, um, you know, invested in, You know, so maybe stuff like tower records, um, you know, for, for country music and stuff like that. But I mean, they're quite a large organization. And again, I don't know enough about Tower Records to give you any sort of factual information. I'm not even sure they're still going anymore. But, you know, labels like Metalheads and Ram and, um, and Hospital, some of the oldest running labels, they represent something to the scene. They they are the scene. You know, without them, you know, there is no sort of identity. They are the, the identity of the scene. Not just them. There are other record labels out there, of course. Uh, But, you know, they just give you something as an idea. They stand for something. They represent um, the music that we all like. They represent the music that we love, that we share, that we create, that we mix, that we produce, that we listen to. And so, you know, in a time where everything has just become diluted and diluted and diluted and diluted it's more so important they're more so relevant than ever because they represent something that that we're not getting from our otherwise you know ever-changing and diluted aspect of our lives you know they they represent something as a constant they represent something that um is you know a guiding light into the future and i think that very few scenes and industries have that um, and it's you know a wonderful thing because these record labels they don't need to exist within our scene but they do and that makes it you know a bit of an anomaly there are plenty of producers and dj's out there who don't need to be on record labels but choose to be because of what it stands for and what that means to, to the community so you know as I, as I pointed out in, um, in, in the article, and please go and check out the article. You can see it on Um It's the latest one there. Um, you can, you, you'll see that, you know, yeah, they, they, they do quite a lot of stuff, um, as a record label should. Not all record labels, drummer-based labels, are able to do all of the stuff that they should. Um, and to varying degrees of professionalism, I would imagine but they are just so relevant to today's scene you know they they represent so much more than just a record label they mean something to a great many people um and without them you know the scene i don't think would be what it is today Um, nor do i think that it would continue to move in the direction that it that it is going um you know These record labels, when record shops were closing down left, right and centre, when clubs are closing down left, right and um, centre, bars, pubs, all this kind of stuff. When we are having our, you know, historical culture eroded from us in one form or another. Um, And again, this is uh, something that, that Matthew Smith spoke to us about, is the enclosement, the closure of culture in the UK and of particular this this scene because it represents freedom from all the um, you know usual standards. These guys, these record labels, represent a way for us to keep in touch with our past. They, they represent a way for us to be able to um, keep moving forwards and you know, as brands, they, you know, they mean something to the community. It's kind of like football teams, you know, the teams change all the time, right? But the, you know, from one season to the next, like the, the entire 11 might be different, but the representation, the idea, the ideology, the connection to the fans that a club has, which is a changing, you know, movable thing. Um, lots of teams have changed where they play. Lots of teams have changed their name. Lots of teams have changed their kit over the years and obviously changed players and stuff. Um, but that doesn't stop people from supporting that same team. That doesn't stop them from um, keeping that identity and connection. And it says something about them, you know, uh, you know their personal cultural identity. And it's the same thing with, with drama base labels. They're so relevant because so much stuff is changing and has changed. You know, even the music and the scene is changing in itself. You know, it's getting more professional. Um, you know, there's a lot more, um, you know, modern day professionalism going on throughout the scene. But these labels are kind of like, you know, this pillar that or this bridge between the old carefree days where everything was fast and loose and not professional. And, and you know, all the way to this modern, you know, cleaned up image that drum and bass has. So... Um, realistically, I think that, you know, drum and bass labels, especially in today's society, um, are way more relevant than, than they ever have been probably more so relevant than the, the new musicians and the artists that they, that they represent. Um, you know, the, 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 the label itself is, is more so relevant to the scene than the music that's being produced within it. Um, which is, you know, incredibly ironic. And I, th- and I think that that is just the whole thing about, drum and bass in itself is, is that it is, you know, a juxtaposition. It is an irony. Um, it is an odd, um, place to exist, but you know, that's why we love it. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that I've got to say on the matter. If I'm honest, I've blabbered on for an hour <laughs> about whether or not drum and bass labels are, um, irrelevant. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to impart in regards to anything that I've said, please let me know. If you think I'm wrong, please let me know. Tell me why. Um, If you think I'm right and you have something to add, please let me know. Cool. I'd love to to hear your thoughts. I'd love to to speak with you. Um, I really hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode. Again, apologies for having nothing up for you over the past week. That is because I am waiting for approval from Matthew himself um diligent fingers should be back with us next week man's been working hard because he um well he, he sent me a message he said i've triple booked myself right so man's man's out there making money you know what i mean he's out there grinding he's making his name i think he's promoting his ep as well so make sure you go out and check out his ep go and follow diligent fingers at Diligent Fingers. Um, As ever, guys, make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, Amen Breaks UK. Go and check out our shop. New merch is being dropped on a reasonably regular basis. Um, And also make sure you go out and subscribe and check out the blog as well. There's loads of cool stuff on there. Um, This week, I should also have a very exclusive mix for you by Jen Jen called Break It um filmed or not filmed recorded by matthew smith in 1995 um, in in a field at a rave Um, very very exclusive mix that will be available for you on the website with the write-up from that article that we did uh last week so as ever guys thanks for tuning in thanks for listening much love and respect um can't wait to chat to you all again next week so Uh, don't forget guys like subscribe uh, tell us if there's anything that you want to talk about is there anything that you think that we should cover we've got loads of topics um, some really difficult ones some hot topics that are probably going to wind a few people up but you know that's the whole point of this Um, look we're here to have conversations we're not here to throw shade we are um, just trying to um, get people talking to make the world a better place through our um, through our shared knowledge and understanding so thanks guys Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. We really hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at AmenBreaksUK. And don't forget to follow Diligent Fingers on Instagram at Diligent Fingers. Please, guys, if you've got anything you want to share with us, anything that you'd like us to cover, send it in to contact at amenbreaks.co.uk.